It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What up and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast. No white smoke coming out of Paul Brown Stadium. No head coach picked yet. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic going to join us in 20 seconds or so. I'm your host, James Erpine, on Twitter, at James Erpine and at Locked On Bengals. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever. You get your podcast. Joe Goodberry joins us every week. This is the final time that Joe and I will be on this podcast together. Um, that's weird. I uh, follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Got some draft conversation to talk about. The look ahead too. We'll do that later in the podcast. But first, let's talk about coaches. Joe, I appreciate the time as always. Um, let's start with uh, just the general NFL because to me. Most of the, the hires have been made. What hire stood out to you most in a good way, and which hire are you questioning the most? I'll be honest, and I've tried to keep the same um, train of thought throughout this entire process that from the outside, we really don't know. And a lot of people take that same stance for the draft. I feel like this is even a bigger crapshoot because of the qualities that ta- it takes to become a good head coach are often not on display as a coordinator or position coach. So, um, you know, when these guys go into interviews is really when you get the chance to see, and we don't see that, uh, you know, when you get to see if they're going to be the guy to lead your franchise. So when a team like the Cardinals hires Cliff Kingsbury, it's shocking. And a lot of people will talk about it, but at the end of the day, I go, well, okay, maybe he is the guy, you know, maybe personality wise, maybe he's super organized. He's a leader and he's everything you need from a head coach. And then, Obviously, you, there's guys like Bruce Arians, which James will love the hiring of, and I don't have a problem with it either, but uh, you know who he is, and you know he's had success in the league, and he usually brings a good and aggressive offense, and everyone should want that. Oh, so yeah. you, you look at that, and you say, fine, that's a good hire. It, it's just hard to say who's really going to be the best. I, I look back a couple years ago when everyone was like, Hugh Jackson, great hire for the Browns, and Doug Peterson was the worst hire of the offseason. I look last year when the, prob- the probable um, – Coach of the year, Frank Reich, wasn't hired until February 11th after the Colts got hung out to dry by by Josh McDaniels. So uh, we don't know from the outside. I'm excited for anybody as long as they're different when it comes to the Bengals. But I think it's interesting that the Bengals are last team standing now and all of their options are still there. Yeah, I do think that that's it's interesting and it's telling in in one of two ways. Either the Bengals are going to nail it. Or they're going to really get it wrong because no one was interested in those guys, right? I, I mean, there's Eric B- something to that. Yeah, like so. Eric Bieniemy is the one. He, he had some interviews, head coaching interviews with other teams. But Zach Taylor, did he have any other head coaching? Maybe one Cardinals. Or, may yeah, maybe Cliff Kingsbury. I, I maybe it'll work out, but that looks like the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I, I have no idea what the hell they're doing in Arizona. The the dude, he he's an offensive coordinator. Fine, make him the OC. This idea that all oh, offensive coordinators should be head coaches. Head coaches are managers. You know, it's a big difference between the two. You know uh, that's why, why it's not happening though, because teams are losing their coordinators. You know, if you have a good coordinator and you have a good defensive coach as your head coach, that coordinator's gone in a year or two. We saw it a lot with the Bengals, right? With Jay Gruden and the Hugh Jackson. And 
it's they always don't make good head coaches. But these these teams are looking at it like we can't lose this guy in a year or two because we're just going to set us set us back again. Just make him the head coach. That way, that offense is installed for the time he's here. That's why Cleveland kept Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think that's the main reason why they did so. Uh, and apparently, they wanted Mike McCarthy. Heck, I wanted Mike McCarthy. I still do, even though he already told his family that he's not going to coach. I think that the Bengals should be on the phone with him right now. Um, and the interesting thing to me. Um, about this, and, and you did mention that the you know Eric Bieniemy, he's still out there. Uh, Zach Taylor, Shane Waldron, uh, even Todd, is it Todd Monken, uh, the yeah. guy from T- Tampa Bay, uh, he's out there too. And to me, you got all these candidates out there, all the outside candidates still available. That's great for the Bengals, but my reservation, even on Bieniemy, who I've from the start been open to, obviously. I mean, why wouldn't you? It's someone from Kansas City, one of the best offenses in the league, even though he doesn't call the plays in Kansas City. That Andy Reid coaching tree looks great. Um, it, why didn't the Browns bring in Biennemi? Why Why haven't any of these guys gotten hired? Are the Bengals just completely off base? Or are they on base? And, and I think a lot of fans should be wondering that. Cliff Kingsbury, he didn't get a bunch of run. He got the Jets interview, and then he got the Arizona interview. So half of these teams, if not more, are going to have outthought the room, I think, and have just whiff on, on whoever they hire. And you just hope the Bengals are on the right side of that and they get it right, whether it's enemy or whoever else. And I think it's interesting that the guys that were hired uh, weren't in consideration in Cincinnati. So it goes both ways, right? Why weren't the guys that the Bengals are considering getting much interest for these other teams? And why weren't the Bengals interested in the in the people that are getting hired elsewhere? Chris Rich, Richard is the... Uh, is the uh, recent for the Dolphins le- recent rumor? I mean, I, it's not official yet, obviously, because uh, the Cowboys are still playing. But uh, why didn't the Bengals bring him in? You know, uh, why weren't they interested in Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury? I, I, you know, you may not like it. Why weren't they interested, or why couldn't they attract a Bruce Arians? So, um, and that's goes- the one I would have brought in for sure. Is is Bruce Arians? Heck, why didn't you call? And maybe they did, but why weren't they interested in Freddie Kitchens to to at least sit down and interview? Exactly. Yeah, and. Uh, obviously we saw publicly that Josh McDaniels turned it down and said it just didn't feel like it was the right fit. Many people said that no Josh McDaniels and, and people in journalism said um, that just wouldn't work out with how the Bengals do it and how Josh handles football. Uh, and that made me think, because then I heard from somebody else, and I haven't said this yet, uh, that he wasn't the only person to turn the Bengals down. And so uh, you still... Give me some names. Who else turned them down? I, I, won't, I won't, but... Um, because unless someone else tells me, I won't say the name, obviously. But there was another coach that did turn them down. And it makes you think, are, are the Bengals still are the Bengals still seen as, as a second-class organization? And I guess we kind of know that deep down inside. But it's, that's, it's painful to hear when they're looking for an opportunity to hire one of 32 positions in the world. And that they're still seen as, um, you know, a, a tough place to to go, and that's why I lean towards Bienemy too, because he would know how this this organization does things. Uh, but yet at the same time, he seems like a guy that will come in and want to push the offensive envelope, and that's what we want. So you, you need a guy that'll fit in with how the Bengals run their their team, and yet you want someone who's going to challenge them to be outside of the box, at least on the field. And that's why I think a lot of people can can get down with the, with the idea of Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally get why people are all on board with him. Um, I, I just, I think it's interesting and I know he had multiple head coaching interviews, but I do think it's interesting uh, that 
the and this is the one and I said it here up at 92.3 here in Cleveland. The fact that the Browns didn't bring him in, John Dorsey tied to be enemy, right? I mean, they know each other from Dorsey's time in Kansas City. So that to me is really telling. And it could be telling Dorsey just had his feelings hurt in Kansas City and he doesn't want to bring anyone in from there. Or it could be uh, the enemy's not calling his plays. It, the The bottom line is, and we're going to talk about the draft, but it, it feels like this year more than ever is a crapshoot when it comes to hiring a head coach. And you just hope the Bengals are on the right side of that. It's going to be extremely hard to know early. Um, and you mentioned the state of the Bengals uh, across the league and how they view them. I think a few years ago, the Bengals were viewed differently. I think they had kind yep. of changed changed the way the league. The, 2015 the, would have been the time. Correct. The, the country had viewed them as an organization, how they were ran, what they'd done in the draft, all the success they've had. And then each offseason, it had been chipped away a little bit. Uh, Andrew Whitworth leaves. Uh, well, I did that backwards. Marvin Jones leaves, and then, and then they take a step back. Andrew Whitworth leaves. They take a step back. They have multiple coordinators that leave. Marvin Lewis returning, I think, was like, what? How the hell did he keep that job, right? And then this past year, you see what happened. So I think that the Bengals... By holding on to Marvin Lewis, who did so much good for the organization, um, uh, among other things over the past couple of years, obviously three straight losing seasons does not help things. It makes things much worse uh, on top of it. All of that combined has set the Bengals back a while. You know, it put them in an awkward space with fans where it feels like if they don't hire Eric Bieniemy or someone from the outside that they get it wrong, which I've pushed back on. If they if they don't hire some hot new young offensive mind, they got it wrong. And that's why I've tried to push back because being that like singular minded that this is what we have to do to appease the fans. That's how organizations end up sucking for a long, long time. Um, and, and so. I want to avoid that. I don't want the fans to pick, and, and, and that might offend people. I don't want the fans to pick the next head coach. And I get it, Bienemy's the next guy uh, or the favorite, and I understand it. At the same time, it, it makes it will make me very nervous, even if Bienemy is the guy they hire uh, for the Bengals' future, just because it is such an unknown. And this organization, I don't know if they can deal with that. I don't know if. Sean McVay is the same guy here. The, the Rams have given Sean McVay a ton of talent. They've yeah. went out. They've been aggressive. They've made trades. They, they've done things to help him. I don't know if McVay has the same, you know, the same success at Cincinnati. So the, the McDaniels not fitting in Cincinnati, I, I buy that. I buy that there's uh, some of that there in fit matters. So I hope they find the best fit, someone that can have success in Cincinnati. Marvin was that for a long time. And uh, finding the next improved Marvin, it, that's a challenge, especially with so many vacancies. And even using Marvin as an example of how things went for him, you need to hire good coordinators. So whoever is the coach, the next the next thing we look at instantly is, well, then who's the defensive coordinator? Who's the offensive coordinator? Look, remember when Marvin had, um, what was his name, Chuck Bresnahan and then Leslie Frazier and the mm -hmm. defense struggle? It wasn't until Zimmer got here. Um, offensively, Brankowski was good until he wasn't. And then they needed Jay, and Jay, Jay Gruden provided that spark, and then Hugh Jackson took over. It was, it was a transition year in 2014 as injuries happened. Then Hugh had a great offense in 2015. So even if it is Eric Bieniemy or Todd Monken or whoever they pull out of, wherever and we're going to look and say well if you want a mcveigh 
He had Wade Phillips as a defensive coordinator. Yep. You want Doug Peterson, he hired Jim Schwartz, who was a former head coach, to be his defensive coordinator, a proven good defensive coordinator. Um, uh, Matt Nagy in Chicago brings in Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator. These guys have people that they can depend on and lean on that are either experienced or thought of as could potentially be head coaches or or, or used to be. And that's going to be important, and you have to wonder if the Bengals are going to also do that and provide that. And I read something with Jay Glazer on The Athletic the other day, and he answered questions about what it's like for a, a, a coach to go into these interviews, and one of the questions they're going to be asked and one of the things they have to present and sell to the ownership is, okay, who's your offensive-defensive coordinator? Who can you bring in? Uh, you've got to, you know, they're going to ask them, basically, who, who do you have lined up? you got to have these guys lined up and ready on, on, on speed dial to come in. And I thought it was interesting that the Bengals got turned down to interview Gary Kubiak, who is yep. currently serving as a, as a position coach for the Broncos, where Vance Joseph just came from. And when that came to, to, to light, I thought, are they zeroing in on Vance Joseph? And Joseph yeah. said he can bring in Kubiak, and now mm-hmm. that he can't, things have taken a step back. And, uh, and then we haven't heard news for almost a week. And... I thought, man, maybe that could be it after, after you know, seeing how important it is to have the, everything lined up when you go into these interviews. And if they fall through, it's a very bad look for these guys uh, based on what Jay Glazer was saying uh, from execs he's talked to in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very interesting to me to, to hear that and, and, and think of it that way. And, and uh, whenever we hear, whenever it comes out that, that the coach is, is whoever it is, the coordinators are in the next chips to fall, and I'm very interested in that. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And to me, um, a couple things there on the coordinator side of things. Uh, first, let's start with a guy who's been around for 16 plus years in uh, Marvin Lewis. Freddie Kitchens gets hired by the Browns yesterday. Uh, it's it's going to be official today. They're going to announce it and have the parade and all that stuff up here in Cleveland. So that's going to happen. Uh, he's obviously the offensive coordinator. He's going to be the offensive mind. He's going to call the plays, et cetera. They need a defensive mind who can just run a defense. Uh, th- that exact thing that you're looking for, right? Uh, th- that you you mentioned that Sean McVay had Marvin Lewis, because look, they did not, they did not retain Greg Williams. He's not going to return to the Browns. Why would you not, if you're the Browns? And I'm dead serious about this. Bring in a, someone like Marvin Lewis, who, by the way, enjoyed coaching the defense again this past year for the eight games or whatever it was that he coached the defense, showed some results, and won't be micromanaged as a defensive coordinator. Um, so even though it is a step down from the head coaching title he's had, he could kind of run the defense, uh, and, and that can be his baby, his thing that he focuses on. I know it's insane or it sounds insane, but to me, if I'm the Browns and I'm serious about this, I would call Marvin Lewis and see if he has interest in being the defensive coordinator. There's some talent there. Uh, Maybe he wants to take a year off. I could see him trying to take a year off and then going down the head coaching interview train like Jim Caldwell did. But at the same time, uh, I I could also see him wanting to run a defense with the talent that the Browns have. So if I'm the Browns, I'd give him a call. Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy because I was thinking as I was saying that in the last um, you know, segment that you want those guys to support your young head coach, your inexperienced head coach. Um, I start thinking, well, who could the Bengals bring in? You know, if it isn't Eric Bieniemy, and I thought Greg Williams, he makes sense. And, yep. and you know, he he was a former coach. He just was the interim coach and had decent success with the Browns. Uh, he has a good defense, even though there's some scheme things that I would disagree with. It usually produces results, and it's an aggressive defense. And and you know, I could get behind that. 
And then, as you bring up, Marvin Lewis for Freddie Kitchens. That makes perfect sense also. Remember, Freddie Kitchens was a running backs coach to start the year. Uh, he wasn't the coordinator. That was Todd Haley. Him and he were, were let go together. Uh, so he was elevated completely, never called plays. He found instant success. And it's a scary hire, I think, even if you're a Browns fan. You would like to uh, believe that will continue and, and grow. And you find that connection with coach and quarterback, man. You've got gold there. You've got Brett Favre and Mike Holmgren sitting right there in your pocket. You you hold on to it. And I think they did. But the key is get a good support system around him. And I think Marvin Lewis will be a great candidate for that. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think that that's interesting. And I'm with you on the Greg Williams thing. That was my that was my next thing is I would reach out and say, hey, Greg, come run this defense. We have the pass rush that you're looking for as far as edge rushers. We have Geno Adkins. Uh, we're probably going to add a defensive lineman or two in the draft. And we're going to add linebackers, and that's it. You know, Then we're off and running. We have a pretty good secondary, and I, I would say that. I, I think that the Bengals have talent on both sides of the ball. So Greg Williams is a guy I would consider – as far as offensive coordinator, Joe, uh, I think you know who I'm going to endorse. So before I do that, who would, uh, uh, assuming Biennemi is the guy, and we're doing some assumption here, or even if it is Monken or, or any of these other outside offensive minds, who would you consider as offensive coordinator? I'd, if it was Biennemi, um, if it's Monken, it's different. I feel like Monken has a good passing offense already. Uh, not that Bianami doesn't, but it's definitely Andy Reid's passing offense, and he's a former running back. So I wonder how much um, he's going to provide in terms of getting your quarterback to that next level. Uh, I would want to bring in a, a guy that specializes in quarterbacks, and they're hard to find because they're getting head coaching jobs right now. So uh, I don't know who that might be. I know Hugh Jackson, and you're going to say him, has experience doing it, mm-hmm. uh, did good when he was with the Bengals, getting Andy Dalton to play it as as – his top ability. So I'm not against it. And I'll let you and let you make your case for him uh, because I don't think it's a bad idea. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be Hugh Jackson. What did you say? Like people can act like Hugh Jackson is this awful coach. That's just dreadful and freak out and lose their minds. And no, people can do that and that's fine. But head coach, that's the key. All right. That's the key. The, the reality is, is that half of the listeners right now would have went streaking three years ago if Hugh Jackson had gotten the job following that playoff game uh, when he took the Browns job. If, if they would have fired Marvin and promoted Hugh Jackson, people would have loved it. Now, I get it. He can't be the head coach now. No one wants him as the head coach. But to question his work with Andy Dalton, uh, to question his work uh, with uh, the, the – honestly, the Bengals offense in 2014 where they went – run heavy with Jeremy Hill to get into the playoffs when they were just decimated by injuries. That's something I don't think Bill Lazor can do. That's something Ken Zambezi no. surely, surely couldn't do. And that's the difference. When you have injuries, what does your coordinator do? A good coordinator evolves, changes. The, the Patriots, you, you hear it, you'll hear it this week. They evolve every single week, even though I think they're going to lose to the Chargers. They evolve every single week. Yeah, well, Hugh Jackson showed he could evolve as an offensive mind, as an offensive coordinator. And I don't care what he did in Cleveland. I know he can be good with Andy Dalton. That, to me, that's why I would have been open to a defensive coach. That's why, because Hugh Jackson probably not getting head coaching jobs if he thrives no. as an offensive coordinator. You he know, so, coordinator jobs right now just cor- because of the stink around him. Ex- exactly. So, to me, the Bengals are okay with ignoring that. He's had success with that quarterback. I, I have no idea who else you'd bring in as offensive coordinator because you've whiffed. Bill Lazor, outside of four games to start this year, and I get his numbers are better than Zampezi, but, oh, that's great. Greg Williams' head coaching numbers are better than Hugh Jackson's. Like, to me, 
just because you've seen these other guys in there and you know what they are. Hugh Jackson can get a lot out of Andy Dalton. Hugh Jackson can get a lot out of the Bengals offense. That to me is a no brainer with the enemy or or with most of these coaches, really. I mean, and I honestly, I think we're down. I think Vance is still probably considered. I bet it's Vance in no particular order. Vance, the enemy, Monken, Hugh, and maybe one other. There's no way Waldron and, and, uh, and Taylor are both being considered. Maybe one of them is. I, I just don't see. I, I Maybe don't one of them could be the offensive coordinator. Correct. And, and there you go. Maybe that's Shane it. Waldron is a passing game coordinator for the Rams. You pair him with Biennemi, a former running back. Sounds like a good pairing. I, I, again, I'm open to it. I'm not saying it has to be Hugh. But this idea that it just shouldn't be Hugh. And oh my God, he was. That, that's ridiculous. It is. And so. There, We're talking I, to the crazies there. there you I know say. me, I'm against Hugh completely for the head coach. 100%. And yep, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even interview him for the job. But offense coordinator, I'd interview him completely, and he'd be high on my list. And he should be. I mean, that's that's the bottom line, is he should be. And I I, I just wonder what's going to happen there. Uh, and, and then Greg Williams, I, I'm with you on defensive coordinator. I think he would be successful. And, and really what it comes down to, and we'll get to it in a second, is talent. Can they improve their weaknesses this offseason? Because if not, I don't care who the head coach is. The, the defense isn't going to play that much better when they don't have linebackers that can run and cover. Uh, the offense is going to be maybe improved. They'll be able to use Joe Mixon right or John Ross right, but they need A.J. Green healthy. They need Tyler Boyd out there, which he was great this year. If those things happen, you address the offensive line, you can – you can have a pretty good team. So the Bengals, they're going to have to go out there. And that's why if I'm one of these head coaches, and I said this, I forget. Someone someone interviewed me when I got the job in Cleveland and uh, interviewed me about the process. And I'm like, when you go into a job interview, you're not just getting interviewed. You're interviewing the employer. And I wonder how many of these head coaches did that. Asked the Bengals, all right, well, what's your process at free agency? Are you willing exactly. to, to, to push? Are you willing to do this? If I say I want to go get this guy, are you going to take that into consideration or is it is it not even my business? What? How are we looking here? Because I would love to get this player, this player, this player in free agency. Because I know if I was going into a head coaching interview, not only would I have my coaches in place, I would have a list of strengths and weaknesses of the team and what needed to be addressed with veterans, what needed to be addressed in a list honestly, of potential free agents that I would want. Like, I'd be that prepared. And no, you're right about the potential free agents. And because- I, I think I think that's an important thing that whoever comes in needs to set going into this job because otherwise I'm not sure much will change. Especially some of the free agents are, are usually from their past jobs. You bring them in and say, this guy can help me install the system with the players. Uh, as the coaches don't get as much practice time and hands-on with these players under the current CBA, you need that coach's player out there that comes from your system uh, and can help these guys transition. And if if you say, well, I want to bring the safety over because he'll help, you know, the guys, uh, he's a backup, you know, you have to pay him a veteran salary, but, you know, he'll you'll have to uh, bring in this, this, this tight end or whatever, whoever the guy is, right? And the Bengals go, ah, oh, well, you know, Free agency, you know, isn't really how we attack things, and we'll see how we do it. And, you know, Mike Brown makes the final decision on that. Well, I, that would make you a little nervous as as a coaching candidate, I think. Yeah, no doubt about it. By the way, Ian Rappaport reporting that Vance Joseph is in Arizona today interviewing to be defensive coordinator and Ooh. Cliff Kingsbury's uh, on his staff there with the Arizona Cardinals. He's still in the mix, he says, 
for the head coaching job here in Cincinnati. So that's interesting. That's interesting. Obviously, there was a rumor or uh, report yesterday that he could be the defensive coordinator with the Jets. Um, is he the guy? I know we mentioned Greg Williams. Would if you're the Bengals, would you consider be enemy with a Vance Joseph and Hugh Jackson combo as your coordinators? I feel like that's too much of the old guard still remaining. I feel like if that's the case, and this could have happened in interviews also, that maybe the Bengals said we have a pretty much a full staff on on deck ready to go. Um, would you be interested in keeping you know this guy, that guy, these coordinators? Can we bring in Hugh and Vance? And I think that would scare off some potential head coaches also. Uh, I think that's too much of the old guard. I think they need more of a shakeup than that. And I individually, I don't have a problem with either of those guys in those positions. I don't think Vance has ever had a great defense. I think even with the Broncos, the Broncos have been good on, on defense over the last three head coaches. Kubiak was the other one, Fox, and, and Vance Joseph. Um, so it really wasn't him doing it. So individually, I don't have a problem. But at the same time, I, I think this I think this is where you hit the reset button or you should want it as a fan and, and you don't want too much of the old coaching staff to remain. Yeah, I think it's interesting um, that Vance has these defensive coordinator positions uh, almost lined up or he's at least interviewing them. He has options, right? And here's why. I think if he doesn't get the head coaching job, he probably doesn't stay on as defensive coordinator because it's almost the Greg Williams effect where it's like, all right, well, this is the job I'm gunning for. If I don't get it, I'll go elsewhere and I'm going to be the defensive coordinator there. Right. It's just, and I don't know if that's the case, you know, maybe he does stay on as defensive coordinator, but to me, if he doesn't get the head coaching gig and who knows, uh, I have said that that's could be the happy medium in the room between Katie and Troy and and Marvin or in Marvin and Mike. Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, (laughs) Marvin Lewis. Yeah, a lot of people. By the way, I've never gotten that, and we're going to close up shop here, get to the draft in a second, but I've never gotten that. The a Marvin Lewis should be the GM. Like I, I don't think he's ever wanted to do that. I don't know where that came from. I don't even know if Marvin's that great of an evaluator of talent. I don't know. I just, eh, I don't love that. I think it was more that people saw the the transition, you know, over, over the 16 years, especially probably the first 10 years, that the Bengals had under Marvin and thought, you know, he should be involved somehow of being in Mike Brown's ear to uh, to keep the modernization even at a snail's pace going. And I think that's why people are into it. Even, you know, it doesn't have to be GM. I, I, people always use GM, but there's director of football operations and director of player personnel. And there's a lot of other things, other roles you can do without being the guy that's directly involved in handpicking players in the draft and in free agency. And, uh, you know, and I don't know if that's Marvin's strength either, but I'm with you. The GM part never made sense, but there are other roles that I could have gotten behind. One other thing, too, before we go on, uh, thinking about the Vance Joseph reports, are uh, a lot of these reports are going to come from the coaches' agents. Teams really don't talk about it too much right now. They're very hush-hush about what's going on. That's why we're not getting a lot from the Bengals. Uh, And so you have to think of the source on these, that why is it important that Hugh Jackson all of a sudden got reported that he could get the Vikings uh, a coordinator job right as he got interviewed or right around the time he was interviewed, maybe even the same day it was around that time. And then Vance Joseph now, as, as people are wondering, and probably the coaches are probably wondering, what are the Bengals doing? What are they thinking? Are we in consideration? Well, here's some other coordinator positions I'm being considered for, just so you know, float that out there to maybe get the ball rolling on the Bengals side. And knowing the Bengals, they probably don't care. If you're going to leave, you're going to leave. We want the guy who wants to be here. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that that's usually their way of thinking. Uh, you know who wants to be there? Hugh Jackson. 
Um, I'm just kidding. I, people get so <laughs> mad at me. Here's an example. Yesterday, Ken Zampezi, it was announced that Ken Zampezi would not return to the Browns staff. And I said, well, if you or Vance get the head coaching job, especially, I could see a path where Ken Zampezi, who worked with Andy Dalton, had a lot of success as quarterback's coach at Cincinnati. He did. You can't deny that. Um, that he becomes Andy Dalton's quarterback's coach again uh, for the Bengals. And uh, people were crushing me. And I'm like, that's not crazy. Stop trolling, troll. And I'm like, no, actually, if you or Vance get the job, I think he'd be the favorite to be the quarterback's coach. What, what say you on that comment? I, that, that's not that out there. It cannot be that out there. That's pretty reasonable in my eyes. It's Assuming, the right, exactly. That's the, the last point you just made is the, the point. Bengals. Right. The Bengals seem to want to bring their guys back that they know and trust and have some relationship with. So that doesn't, that's not crazy to me. I think people are. By the way, you hired Ken in Cleveland. Hugh did. Right. Not the Bengals. Hugh did. So, ha. Huh. Go ahead. Are you saying you did or Hugh did? Hugh. Yeah. Hey. Hugh. I said Hugh. I <laughs> know. I'm messing with you now. Oh. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> You, I think people just want more. So anytime you say anything about Hugh or anyone that used to be here, people are re- completely rejecting it. And I I like that people and fans are feeling that way because I think that's that's how we should feel. Hugh Jackson Town, baby. Making the head coach. I'm that's where you, you live. You live in Hugh Jackson Town. It'd be great. I think he's dude, I would love to see him with like get a real shot. And he's never gonna get one anywhere outside of Cincinnati. Are the Bengals a real shot? Are the Browns or the Raiders a real shot? I mean, we're we're talking about some of the places nobody wants to go. I mean, why couldn't the Browns attract somebody better than Freddie Kitchens? I think they did. I think they did too, but they were they were scared of losing Kitchens. What was the report that they wanted to bring on McCarthy? Yeah, it's better. You I'm keep... glad you admitted it. Okay. Yeah, you I'm glad me. you admitted it. See, see, folks, it comes full circle. McCarthy, good coach from Joe Goodberry. I, rem- I immediately regret saying it. <laughs> Bruce Arians, too. See, I would take those two over Hugh. Not even close. You should take a lot of people over Hugh. Anybody. I wouldn't you take You want to sign Nathan Peterman as your, as your starting quarterback because you know him. What'd you say? I said you want to sign Nathan Peterman, even though he's the worst historical quarterback ever. Peterman at all. It's nothing like that. That's, you're so disrespectful. And Ooh, with Nathan Peterman, speaking of quarterbacks, though, Joe wrote about quarterbacks, quarterbacks that are going to be drafted probably in the first round for the athletic. We're going to talk about that as we look ahead to the draft and the Bengals 11th pick where they absolutely have to take a quarterback. Hey, if the enemy can get a quarterback, let's let's roll out, man. Hopefully he brings that Kansas City blueprint. I hope so. We'll dive into that next. But first, a word from Wiedemann's, the official brewery of the Locked On Bengals podcast. You've heard me talk about them all week long. Wiedemann's is where it's at. It's just 10 minutes from downtown Cincinnati on Vine Street. And right now they have a ton. Uh, you're talking about today. Today's Thursday from five to nine. They have a dollar off all pints. So you want to go there for a happy hour after work. It's Thursday, Thursday. Go hang out. Have a couple drinks and enjoy. They have over 15 beers on tap. If you like a beer specifically, you want to take it home with you, they're canned. So you could get some cans while you're there. And the best part about it, a lot of these breweries, you have to bring in your own food or you're eating pretzels or stale peanuts. 
they have great food there. They have a, a full menu, uh, burgers. They have pizza. They have anything you can imagine, fries, getta, which Joe doesn't even know what getta is, but getta is amazing. Uh, a getta melt that'll blow your mind. Joe, do you know what getta is? Is it cheese? No. Oh, good God. It's. It, it, I'll tell you later. But uh, Joe, you know what getta, getta is. It's a German food, and it's from Cincinnati. Getta. Try it. Getta melt. They have getta pizza. It's the best. And next time Joe's in town, I'm going to make sure he goes to Wiedemann's as well. Check it out for more, including a, a schedule of all of their awesome events. Go to Wiedemann'sFineBeer.com. It's awesome. Be sure to check it out again, Wiedemann'sFineBeer.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Wait, you really don't know what Geta is? Really? No, I don't know what that is. It's and like, I'm, it, I'm mostly German, so I feel bad. Yeah, it's, a, it's more of a Cincinnati German thing. Um, yeah. So it's it's sausage. Uh, is is the best way to describe it? Like grounded up sausage. Um, it doesn't it it doesn't look appealing, but it tastes amazing. Put it that way. I I wish you hadn't. I is that a Cincinnati thing? It doesn't look appealing, but it tastes amazing. I I don't know. I, I'm I mean, talking about Skyline. Yeah, I don't, right now. Gonna... <laughs> you know. Skyline doesn't look appealing. It's, I mean, and on the advertisement, it does. All right. Are you on your laptop right now? Just Google Geta. Just Google Geta. It's, it's How a, do I spell Geta? G-O-E-T-T-A. Okay. It's basically, and that's a way to, Cincinnati sausage grain patties. Oh, I see. Yeah, it looks cool. Just so it's kind of like, a, yeah, you could put it on a sandwich. You could put it on grilled cheese. You could put it on eggs. I mean, you could do a lot of stuff. But dude, I'm making myself hungry. Just Ooh. These images look good. That's one thing. And Glears is the one to get, like, if you're... Out is it about. for breakfast? Because yeah. I see it with eggs. Oh, yeah. It's for breakfast. It's for anything, really. Mostly breakfast, though. Usually I make it with eggs. So good. It's so weird. Good. It, what is... I'm trying to read the in, ingredients here now. Oats. Is that what's in there? Yeah, oats. Is that what that is? Okay. A little sausage action. So, yeah. Good. Yeah. If you haven't I had mean, Geta and you guys are in Cincinnati going to a, a Bengals game, and I'm talking to you listeners, obviously, Joe, too, uh, try Geta. Go... Uh, Go anywhere. Go to Wiedemann's and try their getta. Go anywhere that uh, makes good getta. Cincinnatians will know where to go, but uh, Wiedemann's certainly. Because you can you can have getta, you can have beer, you can have – hey, they have liquor too. I forgot to say that. But, yeah, getta. There you go, Joe. See, learn something. Like, look, you know what? If if Hugh Jackson's named coach, I'll send getta to you. Jesus. So I can throw it up? No, what? No. What do you Not because the food's bad, because Hughes head coach. No, I'll I'll mail you some getta to uh, as comfort. Why would you take such a low end bet like that? Some comfort food. You know you're not gonna have to send me getta now. You. Did you just auto tune yourself saying you. Hugh Jackson town. <laughs> you, you know what? Uh, Cleveland fans will laugh at even more than hiring Hugh Jackson. Uh, extending Andy Dalton. 
No, no, it's worse than that. Hiring Hugh Jackson when you're going to draft a quarterback 11th overall so he can develop him. They think he's a joke when it comes to developing quarterbacks. Uh, Let's dive into these quarterbacks in the draft. Obviously, it's early. You started by watching um, the Duke quarterback. Is it Jones? Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, who I'm not going to act like I watched a bunch of Duke football. I knew he was considered one of the higher end prospects when I and I was like man a quarterback from Duke is one of the higher end quarterback prospects this quarterback class must suck uh and and yet I read uh, your piece at the in the athletic it's really good it's a good breakdown and to me seems like Daniel Jones pretty good Mr. Jones might go top 5 uh he could he is an underclassman he's 21 years old uh started 3 years 36 games for Duke the production is only okay, as you can imagine, uh, you know, as he's thrown to subpar receivers and sub, subpar offensive line. Even though Duke has had some players, Jamison Crowder for the Redskins is, is, is a good player. They've got a good slot receiver very similar to Crowder this year. But overall, you can see as you're watching the tape. Vinny Ray. Vinny Ray. You see a lot of issues and you see a lot of drop balls and, and pass protection issues uh, and that lead to him to make some mistakes. So his production was, was capped, I believe. And that's one of the concerns I have with him as a first-round quarterback or investment. Uh, but he got a first-round grade from the draft advisory committee that when you are a junior or an underclassman, a sophomore, as, as Dwayne Askins is, you um, you submit your name to them, and they'll churn out an idea of where they think you're going to go. And normally it's very accurate. So they gave him a first-round grade, and they're normally very conservative also. So when they did that, I, it perked up a lot of ears to people in the scouting community, like, what, really? Daniel Jones, first round? I thought maybe he's a developmental second-round guy. Uh, and then reports start coming out as other bigger journalists can talk to their sources in the league and say, nope, a lot of execs think he's a first-round pick. And I, So it makes sense. And then I, you go and you watch the tape. And for me, I'm going to... I'm going to use the same criteria for every quarterback I watch this year. And I'm excited now because Kyler Murray is going to enter the draft, James, and that sounds exciting. But I'm going to use this criteria. Yeah, he is, and I think I think Kyler Murray is going to fit this criteria great. That's why I can't wait to get to him. But I'm looking for three things. And it's three things Andy Dalton isn't. And it's not to completely slight Andy Dalton. But as I watch the league, and this is how I came to this conclusion, and I look at the quarterbacks that are in the playoffs this year, and I say, okay, you have the old guard, you have Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady and Drew Brees, right? And they were the standard for a long time. They've always, they've been elite quarterbacks for most, most of their careers. And uh, the league has kind of changed. Those guys are pocket passers, anticipation throwers, pinpoint accuracy, and they run their offense to a tee. They are, they are perfect for any team would take them and build an offense around them, and they'd have success. And now you see the young guard that's coming in. And, and there was a bit of a transition phase where – this older group of players held on to that top quarterback billing for longer than you've ever seen it for, for a generation of quarterbacks. And it, they we almost skipped a generation as college quarterbacks and NFL quarterbacks became different and even and offenses became different. And those college quarterbacks were busting when they were coming to the NFL and because the transition was just too big. And NFL teams weren't changing their offense to fit college offenses and college prospects. And then that transition has happened now. And we've seen it become an easier uh, transition to for these guys to come in and play and have success early. And then the game has kind of changed because of it. And that's why we're getting Patrick Mahomes. And that's how we're getting Baker Mayfield and Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott. And even Andrew Luck can move and make plays. So as you see, these guys are are, are mobile. They, they are naturally mobile. They're not runners playing quarterback. They are guys that can make plays off script. They're guys that can 
make plays when things break down. They can move within the pocket and still remain accurate. Uh, they all have strong arms, and they're aggressive throwers pushing the ball down the field. And when you see that, you say, okay, well, that's what I want. Those things that I just listed aren't when Andy Dalton is. The average quarterback rating in the league this year was a 93. Um, that would be fantastic if Dalton would hit that in most years. Most the career, he's running 89. So based on his, you know, he's been good, but based on his his peers, he's averaged to slightly below average. So what do we want? If we're going to go with Andy Dalton, who is a guy who is a point guard, basically, for your team, who is um, an accurate thrower, uh, uh, runs your offense very well, He's a quick thrower. He's a quick decider. He, he, he usually makes the correct decision. Those are qualities you want. What do you want outside of that? That can, If you're going to be enticed to take a quarterback at number 11, he's got to have these three things. He's got to be able to push the ball downfield, be aggressive as a thrower, have deep accuracy and arm strength. Now, those aren't requirements for the position like Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Those guys aren't known for that, but they're accurate deep, except for Tom Brady. They're accurate deep. Phillip Rivers is, even though without having a crazy cannon arm. But these young guys usually do have that. So you you would like that to fully open your offense. Another thing you'd like, you'd like some better pocket presence and managing the pocket, moving within the pocket, dealing with the rush. Bengals don't have a good offensive line. It may not be good for another year or two if they continue to invest in it, that is. Um, you need a guy that can handle that and deal with the pressure and deal with the rush and, and keep his eyes up and remain a pocket passer and, and deliver the ball even as things break down around him. And the last thing is I want a guy that can be able to go off script. One of the big criticisms we've had of Dalton is when things aren't there that he expects. So he's got a pre-snap, post-snap read. Pre-snap says it's going to be this. Post-snap, it's different. He kind of loses his mind a little bit. He may run. He may take the sack. He may throw directly into coverage. So you want a guy that can adjust on the fly and remain natural. Just a natural athlete at that position that deals with it and finds a way to make a positive play. So with those three things being the criteria, though I want those three things in the next guy. If, if one of these prospects has that plus you've got to be able to run your offense. Of course, I'm not throwing that away. I'm looking for this extra more than Andy Dalton. And if they have it at 11, I can be enticed to take him. And that's where I come into Daniel Jones. He's just the first guy I grabbed out of the pile. I try to make it random. He's the first quarterback I picked. And he has all three of those things, to my surprise. He's big at 6'5", 220. He's got a very good arm. Sometimes it's an A-plus arm and deep accuracy. And he looks to push this ball down the field. Uh, Duke's offense is, is really an RPO slant or I'm or I'm shoving it downfield and, and trying to get a, a big play and they do it often and early and, and there's probably five six seven uh deep shots in a game and you see a lot of it with Jones and I you only got to go two three games of watching him and you say yeah okay I feel pretty good about his deep accuracy and arm strength um his pocket presence is good for the most part I think it's probably an eight out of ten where he will move within the pocket he keeps his eyes up all the time uh he he will avoid rush he'll step up into the pocket but he fades away from pressure at times because he's, I think he's been hit a lot. He's been sacked about on average of 30 times a season in a 12-game, 13-game season. That's that's pretty significant. So uh, he's been pressured, and he's starting to develop some bad habits from it. But at 21 years old, you may be able to get it out of him. Uh, and then as a off-script guy, you want some mobility. You'd like to have that. You rush for 186 yards versus North Carolina. A couple of them were designed runs. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out and runs a 4-5 or 4-6 at the Combine. He's an athlete, and 
Uh, he can make plays when things break down, whether that's as a runner. He does that a lot. But he's very good throwing off-platform. And what I mean is he doesn't have to have his feet perfectly square, perfectly below him, perfectly balanced. He can be off a little bit because the rush is coming to the side or because he's got a step to the right or left or because he's rolling out or on the run. He can throw at any time during that play once he's off script, and that's valuable. And for So when I watched him, I said, yes, I'd give him a first grade also. Uh, I try to be more into the analytics and see what those guys say. And he grades out as a baseline starter in the NFL, uh, but he doesn't grade out as like a pro bowler, all pro quarterback based on his production. So that's why I wanted to really see, well, what traits does he have that could probably push him and make him an outlier that, that and succeed more than just being a baseline starter. And I think those things, being able to, to move, play off script, uh, have the pocket presence and move within the pocket and, and throw it deep. And I came away thinking I, I really like Daniel Jones. Joe Goodberry of the athletic is with us. And I'm, I'm reading here, Joe, um, in looking at the athletic and Dan Brugler put out a mock draft and he updated it with Kyler Murray, since it looks like he is going to be available in the draft and put himself in the draft. He has Haskins going sixth to New York, to the jet uh, giants. Uh, the Jaguars getting Daniel Jones at seven. And I think those guys will probably go earlier, but I get the teams might be right. Uh, the Denver Broncos taking Drew Locke at 10. And then Kyler, and then Kyler Murray going 15. Uh, is it possible? I would be surprised. I, I don't know. I, is, let's leave Locke out of it for now just because I, I, I'm not going to. I haven't gotten I, to him. Yeah, you haven't got to a hell. I haven't even got to, I've watched Murray. I've watched these other guys. You, you've yeah. watched Jones. I've watched Haskins a ton. Out of those three, one of them's got to be there at 11, right? One of yeah. them? Yeah, and there are people that do like Drew Locke a lot. And he, um, I, like I said, I haven't gotten to him. I've only seen clips and read on a scout. You know, when I get to um, like a mock draft, I've looked at a few now, and it says Drew Locke, you know, he's the guy who makes plays out of the pocket, yada, yada, yada. So I can't wait to get to him, too. But there's also Will Greer from West Virginia, who production-wise is really high up there, and he'll be at the Senior Bowl. So will Daniel Jones, even though he's a junior. There's an opportunity for these this still to shake up and move a little bit. Um, so yeah, one of them should be there, even if two guys go top ten. Three guys could go top ten. There's people saying that Kyler Murray. I read a report yesterday that Kyler Murray will go higher than where he was drafted in the MLB draft, which is the ninth pick. He was the ninth pick, and this guy who do, who's been in the legal or Scout of the league a long time said uh, he thinks he'll go higher than that. So if by the way, go, by the way, Cliff Kingsbury, did you see that video where yeah. he before he the matchup number, number one? Yeah, and there's been some speculation that oh, would they trade Rosen? Which I, that would be a lot to to see, but who knows? But or uh, you by trade the, back on the cheap and and include Rosen, right? You know, you think of the, the Jags wanting to move up and get Rosen. Uh, or you got uh, Yeah, that, that brings a whole other. You you have to put Rosen in this class if he's available in that scenario. Like, yeah. where does Rosen stack up? Yeah, it, could you trade Rosen for the seventh pick? Right. And that's where you think the Cardinals can make a quick transition and turnaround if, if, if that was the case. And, um, yeah, it gets interesting with Kyler Murray entering. I, I think there is some concern of... How dedicated would he be, and where is he going to measure in? Because he's listed at, I believe, 5'10". Uh, is he I've Russell Wilson? Is he a full 5'10"? I know. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. He compares very <laughs> favorably on the field to Wilson. Yeah, I don't like, know, I know that. <laughs> well, because we talked about this, I think, before, was what what was his actual height? And I was completely off because I was no sleep that day. But 
I think on the field, Murray looks a lot like Wilson, and I, I think that favors him and, and goes and and, and, and and helps him, even though Wilson didn't go in the first round. Wilson was a third-round pick because of that height. And a lot of people, I I said it that year, Wilson would be a first-round pick if he was five, if he was 6'2", and he wasn't. And we see he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And now that, that doesn't always happen, Drew Brees, uh, that's the reason why he went in the second round, in the 32nd pick at the time. Um, height matters, size matters, and it will hurt his stock eventually. And even though he, uh, man, he's got some crazy plays, some high-end plays, obviously, you know, he won the Heisman Trophy, he is going to be picked apart because of that size. And there is a scenario where, yeah, he could be there. And I think, let's say even if Haskins goes and Murray goes in the top 10, and you've got a Drew Locke, which I'm not prepared to speak on fully, and a Daniel Jones and a Will Greer, yeah, that's a scenario where you will have to consider quarterback if you're the Bengals at 11. Yeah, and that's, that is one of the biggest reasons why the enemy hire would be so appealing to me is he he saw what happened, the benefits of Kansas City of doing that, of, of drafting. And even if it is Murray or whoever else, Haskins, in sitting them for a year uh, behind Andy, I'm okay with that. Because it could be Pat Mahomes, you know, like I'm not saying they're going to be as good as Pat Mahomes, yeah. but if they can have that kind of impact on your franchise, then you want that. Joe, we have, I don't know about breaking news, but a little rumor here from Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. He tweets, I'm nervous. hearing that the Bengals have begun the process of releasing assistant coaches. Oh, that is when they have come to a decision. Right? Yeah. That's what that means. But that means the guy is still coaching. That's what it feels like, right? That is what it feels like. So we tweeted that out about four minutes ago. So they've begun the process of releasing assistant coaches. Um, Todd Monken, here he comes. Which is quite interesting. I will say this, though, um, in regards to that and in response to people who say, well, if it was going to be Hugh, they would have already done it. No, they wouldn't have. Um, As as bad as the the Bengals are, um, or I I don't even want to say bad, as – as much as you think the Bengals don't care what you think or are going to ignore the fans, I will say this. I think that they knew all along that Josh McDaniels was not going to accept an interview, but they wanted to say, see, we tried Josh. Uh, I, I think they knew all along that some of these candidates uh, weren't even real candidates. You know, I, I, I do. I, I think that you go into it, Darren Simmons, you know. So to me, what it was is more of a we're going to prolong this have a lengthy search i wouldn't be shocked if it was still vance i wouldn't be shocked if it was one of those guys i wouldn't um i'm not saying it's the most likely thing and i think now especially with the assistant news uh it probably is bianami or one of the outside candidates but that said uh i i don't think that it's the the fact that they haven't announced hugh yet uh or, or announced vance joseph as head coach i don't think that has anything to do with Oh, they they just want to, uh, or if it would have been one of those guys, they were going to do it right away. Uh, no, they're going to wait and make it feel like they've done a long, comprehensive search, even if that is one of the one of those guys is what they end up coming to. Which it doesn't feel that way. It feels like it's going to be Bianami, to be honest. It does feel that way, but I'm still not surprised with a lot of the names. You know, if if it was Todd Monken, I'd say okay, yeah, that makes kind of that kind of makes yeah. sense. What was the last, last report he was interviewing for a, a coordinator position? And like I said, um, be wary of where that source is coming from. And maybe the Bengals recently have zeroed in on him, and now he's putting out there that he has other options, just so that you know he can get an extra five hundred thousand dollars out of the deal. I'm just throwing numbers out there; I have no idea. But 
Um, you know, everything is still on the table is my point in that I am still okay with anyone that is new and not from within the organization and, you know, at least who hasn't coached within the organization. I don't know who I'd put. James, I want to ask you then. All right, I'm going to ask, this is our last podcast together. I've got a question for James because it's the last time we'll probably talk about coaches. Um, put, you got to put on money the record. on it right now. On the yeah, record. On the record, on the fly right now. Off the top of my head. You got to place a bet on one of these coaches today with them, all the information we have today. Who are you placing money on to be the Bengals head coach? Eric Bieniemy. Really? That's good. Yeah. I, I think that that's because, look, uh, Monken, and it, it could be him. You're right. Um, but to me, I don't think Zach Taylor, I think Waldron and Taylor are going to freak the hell out of Mike Brown. Like, I don't think there's any chance. He's not going to hire a baby to do a head coaching. I just don't see it. It's Mike Brown. Um, Eric Bannemi played for the organization. Uh, he's kind of risen up. He comes from the Chiefs, an established uh, offense in Andy Reid's system. So to me, I think as long as he interviewed well, I think he was always the front runner all along looking at who they interviewed and there's no reason to think he did he's not going to get the job um i've poorly phrased what i said before though basically what i'm saying is the fact that they haven't announced hugh or vance to me doesn't mean anything because i don't think they would have announced something quick if that was their decision i think they would have still taken time done their due diligence it's the first time they've had an opening in 16 years right you know i was 11 so they're gonna do their due diligence with all these guys so um, but, but Florio's report does to me indicate that it's someone that's still coaching to me. I would put the money on B enemy. Who would you put money on? I would put on B enemy too. And he got the chance to talk to the press yesterday, um, in, in Kansas city and his responses were interesting and his facial expressions and him thanking Andy Reed and the ownership in, in Kansas city and talking about how he worked hard to get to this opportunity and, it was almost, you know, I, I if you didn't know, you would think he was already the coach just based on how his smile was and how he acted. And I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it. But when you watch the videos, you say, yeah, it looks like he knows what's happening and, and knows he's going to have a, a job with the Bengals. And, and, man, I hope that's the case because I think people would be excited. Oh, I think people would be excited, too, just because it's different. I don't even know if he'd be good. Like this idea that, oh, you don't know. He's going to be good. I, I have no idea. But I, I do think that something different makes a ton of sense. And, and as much as I joke about the Hugh Jackson thing, uh, the last thing I want is is football in Cincinnati to be dull, stale, and awful to watch. And it has been for three years. And All it right, would be I, if he was hired. People would say, win first, then we'll show up. I think if the is hired, people will show up week one. They'll at least be more apt to do it, right? They'll be more interested. Yeah, uh, I, I think it sure. takes more than just the head coach. I think they're going to have to make a splash or two and make the right moves this off season. But yeah, I, I do. I, I think that that's, that's it. So, so we're both uh, agreeing here. My second to last locked on Bengals podcast ever. I'll be on tomorrow. Hopefully there's some breaking news then uh, or before then. So I can at least talk about the hire, but uh, we're we bring both me agree. on. If there's breaking news tomorrow, you gotta bring me on. All right. I'm in dude. I'll bring you on tomorrow. Anyway. I don't care. I just uh, last podcast, but yeah, be enemy we agree with be enemy. Yeah, I agree on make football fun again for Cincinnati. Well, then you got to draft Kyler Murray. That dude. He's fun. I tell you, you know who's the least fun? We didn't get to talk about him, and my report will be out today or tomorrow. The least fun of the the top guys 
is Dwayne Haskins. Really? He is. Yeah, and it's because of the criteria I'm grading him on. I'm going to be a little unfair, and I wrote that in there. It's going to be unfair to him because he's not on the Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield. Um, on You know, Patrick Mahomes is all the way on the one side of the spectrums. Uh, Jameis Winston is all the way on the other. And I, I use those guys because those are guys that always try to create and the play is never over for them, right? Whereas Tom Brady is on one side and Alex Smith is on the other side of another spectrum. Andy Dalton's on that spectrum of within the system, the system works, keep the ball moving, get the ball out quickly, right? You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so when you watch Haskins, he's up there with Brady and Dalton in, in that range and, and Derek Carr and, and, you know, those guys. He's not in the Mahomes one. That's where Kyler Murray would be. That's where that's where Daniel Jones would be. They're on a different scale. So my scale is going to be unfair to Haskins. He's going to run your offense to a T. He is accurate. He is decisive. And he is quick. He's not going to create when things break down. He is going to make your offensive line look worse at times because his pocket presence is an issue and because he he loses his mind a little bit and he can't move from his original launch point and still be and still be accurate. His deep accuracy is a problem. But it's all one year starting, so all of that could change. It could get better. It could get worse. But what the tape we have, he's on the Andy Dalton scale. And I think people are ready for something new and something different. And that's why, for me, I wouldn't trade up or I wouldn't be home run for drafting Dwayne Haskins. I would say, okay, it makes sense because I think he's a really good prospect. Let's see how far or what his upside actually is. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. Make sure you check that out uh, in The Athletic tomorrow. You can follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. By the way, we have some more news. Uh, oh. Ian Rappaport says it's nothing It's nothing huge. After I'm nervous every time I read anything. Yeah, after the impressing the Jets and head coaching interviews, former Bucks offensive coordinator Todd Monken will interview with the Browns for their vacant offensive coordinator job this weekend. He also spoke with the Jaguars about their vacant OC job. So it looks like Monken has options as well. Look at these guys. Look at the Bengals interviewing the guys that are going to get high-end jobs in the league. Look at that. We never got to talk about Monken too much, but that uh-huh. Bucks offense was highly proficient and efficient and productive. All those no all those words that sound good are um they were really good and then when Dirk Cutter took over the game for I can't remember what game it was. The second half. And he said in the post-game press conference, oh, yeah, I took over play calling. And, and, like, they didn't score a point in that second half and got beat. And people were like, why? Why did you do that for? And they took over, like, a couple games later, took over play calling again. So it kind of makes you wonder what was going on between Kurt, uh, Cutter and Monken. And they had a terrible game again. And then Cutter just gave it to Monken the rest of the year. But they had they were productive running uh, with nobody at running back, really. Three receivers, four receivers that were highly productive. I'm forgetting Adam Humphreys. Uh, they were highly productive, knew how to use every single one of them to their strengths. I'd be very interested in Monken, even as a coordinator, man. If you brought in Biennemi and Monken, man, that'd be awesome, too. I, I'm open to him on this team. I'm with you. I, I'm totally with you. Uh, and then and then Hugh can uh, be the uh, special assistant to Eric Biennemi. The assistant to the regional yes. manager. Yes, exactly. Well, Joe, I appreciate the time as always. I'm going to bother you via text a ton. People think I've been trolling on Twitter. Just If you released the text, I'd be in trouble. I, I thought about it a few times. You've been no. very hard in the text message world. You know that? It's really getting to you. Like, Joe, Can you see, feel my energy? I think we're friends, and I think it's weighing on you that I've been such a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> like our friendship has been put to uh, the test over the past couple of I work 12 hours on a midnight shift. I wake up to a text message. James Rapino, oh, we want to do a podcast today. Hire Hugh, it says. Can I just go back to sleep? What is this? <laughs> I wonder 
what will happen if they hire Hugh? Could you imagine if they're they're getting it's rid of forced. all the assistants so Hugh can bring in his guys? It'd be terrible. What if Monken's the offensive coordinator? I don't care who it is around you. <laughs> I think he was a ter- you had Todd Haley and Greg Williams. Todd Haley and Freddie Kitchens. He had Freddie Kitchens too. Todd Haley got Hugh fired. Don't Fine. do it. I don't you care. No, I'm right. But the, at the time, the hirings all looked good. Yeah fine but todd haley was like yeah i'm not listening to hugh and i'm gonna take his job and then yeah, but you watched hard knocks did you see hugh dealing with those guys when you guys sit in this chair see i sat in that chair and i thought about it and he was trying to like i mean uh todd haley was trying to bring some different offensive ideas and trying to at least discuss some things and get these guys you know it's because players weren't practicing and and you know saying oh i got the hamstrings i'm not and todd's like we got to get these guys to be tougher and play through this and he was like yeah that's what i thought too until i sat in this chair he was terrible man there was a lot of bad moments for Hugh on that show did they try not, to make him look bad or is he just like i that? think they tried to make him look bad. of course it's fun to make you look bad that that's the whole point it's fun to make mike mccarthy look bad it's fun to make these coaches who flame out after having success years and years it's easy to make marvin lewis look bad he's still a good football coach like, you, you know what? Here, I'm going to go on record right now. A- Arizona, the Arizona Cardinals are stupid because they hired Cliff Kingsbury and they could have hired Marvin Lewis to be their head football coach. You're out of your I, mind. I just said it. Cliff Kingsbury. I'm out of my mind. Cliff Kingsbury. Skip is, Bayless is, over here. No, you're you're out of your mind. Cliff Stephen Kingsbury a. Is, a Jew, is a baby. He doesn't deserve a job in the NFL. And he just gets or, or a head coaching job. And he just rolls out of bed and gets one. And, and Marvin Lewis has had playoff team after playoff team here in Cincinnati. And, and that's what happens. Get out of here, man. Marvin Lewis is way more qualified. And if he's more qualified, so is Mike McCarthy and Bruce Arians and a bunch of these guys. And I get it. Arizona couldn't go after Bruce Arians again. Cliff Kingsbury had the three things Marvin doesn't. And that's what teams value. Young. Young. Cheekbones. White. And and handsome. We're on the same page here. White? You think that that's a thing? I don't know. to be, I, honest, I, to be honest, I don't know. I yeah, think, what, what you know, you most doing? of the hirings obviously be, are, are. Be careful there, Joe. Uh, Joe. What do you mean? <laughs> that, no, I, I think I think the Bengals are going to hire Eric Bieniemy though. I know that has been a, a some like and conversation. Chris Richard is going to get the job, it seems, in the, for the Dolphins. So you know it based on the candidates. But you know when you do look at it, how many players are disproportionately African American, and how often they end up getting higher jobs in the NFL. You do, it does make you question it at some point. I mean, there's got to there's gotta be more. Maybe we're still 20 years early, right? Maybe in 20 years, it's like 50-50 split or or even a 60-40 split in, in favoring African-Americans just because most of the players are. You would think that, you know, maybe maybe we're early on it. But it does make you question it, or at least makes me question it sometimes. Yeah, I, I agree. No, only two African-American head coaches. It's weird. There's no doubt about it. I mean, at this stage. Now, we'll see what happens and who else gets hired. But absolutely, it's weird. Um, and it also shows um, right now what, what everyone's looking for, uh, offensive mind. I was open to defense. I think Vic Fangio, I think the Denver Broncos, they get a good offensive mind in there. Woo-wee. And that's the key, Woo-wee. though. And if they do get a good offensive mind, what happens in a year or two? Do they that, lose that, them? That's fine. Maybe they lose them. But by then, hopefully, your quarterback is good enough to withstand that. Like, There's a point where every great quarterback can deal with their coordinator leaving. Like, that's why here in Cleveland, like Baker Mayfield, the idea of hiring Bruce Arians, I loved it. And they're like, oh, yeah, but what if Freddie Kitchens leaves? Or what if Bruce Arians leaves in a couple years? And I'm like, yeah, well, then Baker Mayfield's in year five, and he'll be okay. Like, whoever you get, he'll be all right. Like, you just hire a good coach. Um, and, and so that, that to me, is the case. I don't know. McCarthy and Rodgers, 
would be the case against that. that it was over they, a decade, they were bad over, for each other. It was over a decade long, and right. McCarthy got the most out of Aaron Rodgers. It, it got stale. At the 24. Yeah, it gets stale. Things get stale. People say I'm stale. They're tired of the Hugh train, but you know. <laughs> All right, Joe. I appreciate the time as always, man. All right, James. Take care, buddy. Thank you guys so much for listening today on Twitter at James Erpine at Locked On Bengals. Make sure you follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Final podcast that I've that I'm doing at least here for Locked On Bengals tomorrow. I will be doing and launching a podcast in the near future. Stay tuned for that. I will release uh, insight video, whatever, insight details, I guess is the word, details on Twitter about that uh, in the near future. Until tomorrow, though, I'm James Erpane, and thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.